Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the CMYK Talks podcast. Uh, my name is Seth Hirschkorn. I have not been with you guys in quite some time, so it's really, really good to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, one quick announcement before we begin. Um, this Christmas Eve, the 24th, at 4.30 at the pub station in Billings, Montana, we are having Sing Along and Cider. It's where we get together. We drink cider, we sing a bunch of songs, um, really, really neat um, Christmas Eve experience. I absolutely love it. Last year's my first year doing it, and I really, really enjoy it. So sing along in cider, 4.30 p.m., Christmas Eve at the pub station. Be there or be square. All right. Hi. Like I said, good to be back with you today. Um, very, yeah, very excited Um uh, it's been a long semester for me, so that's why I haven't been talking much. Um, I did. I started a master's program, and it's been very busy. So that's what I've been up to, and now I'm back, and I'm excited to chat with you today. Um, so we're in the middle of this Advent series, and Advent is this idea, this word, this thing that is an expecting. It's it's a mentality and, and waiting, like a, it's a it's a wait for someone's arrival. Like we're waiting for someone really important to arrive. And so it happens around the Christmas time holiday because in the Christian faith tradition, you know, this is when we celebrate the birth of Jesus and his advent and his coming. And so we talk around this idea of advent and, and Jesus showing up on the earth and breaking into the scene and what that looks like. And so um, that's where we're at with this, this conversation of advent. And this is a, this is a really interesting uh, one for me, this particular conversation, because I think for me, um, I'm in a really unique emotional place around this topic because it was about this time last year, uh, or sorry, not last year, two years ago, this time, two years ago, I was working at a very large church and it was my opportunity to teach on the weekend for the first time. I'd been a youth pastor Hadn't had a chance to talk on the weekends. So I got a chance to speak on the weekends and I got like the call to the big leagues, you know? And so what I do is I, I put probably 65 hours, 60, 65 hours into the sermon, building it so it can be absolutely perfect. I can make everyone happy. I can make my boss happy. Everyone's going to like it. It's going to be theologically accurate, all this stuff, which I'm not saying those are any, those are bad things. I'm just saying like I put all this time into it to make it perfect. And I remember it went really well. It was a lot of fun. It was great. Um, uh, I got a lot of good feedback. My my boss was happy with it. People were happy with it. Um, but I remember uh, about a week after teaching, there was this part of me. I had an interaction with an individual, and they um, ended up regurgitating some some of the things that I said. And they they I, I think it at the time I was like, wow, they misinterpreted that. That's not what I said, or it is what I said, but it's not what I meant. And I remember there was this feeling of almost defeat and this feeling of, um, I think I was just dishonest with a church full of people about the idea I was trying to share and what I was trying to communicate. And and so in the midst of this Advent series, I'm, I'm talking about this idea of hope today. We're going to center around this idea of hope. And two years ago, there was this idea of hope that I was talking about. And I remember two years ago, there was like this part of me that was like, I didn't, I wasn't honest about what I think hope is and what hope might actually be and what hope looks like. And, and in prepping for this, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to use this opportunity to be as honest as I can be about this topic and this idea, and especially where I'm at with it and what I think some of the scriptures might point to in the midst of hope. 
And so there's a lot of tension in me today of this idea of hope. And, and that's exactly what we're going to dig into is, is not only the idea of hope, but I think my tension with it and, and, and that, I think, formulates a lot of where I'm at in this Advent season. And, and more importantly, where we get to now have this conversation around the idea of hope. So hope, honesty, and what do those two things mean in the context of today's conversation? So... <clears throat> We're going to start in Isaiah 61, and I want to show you this picture from the Old Testament that I think is really, really hopeful. The book of Isaiah is a really profound thing that I think a lot of Christians really like. In some in some instances, it's called the fifth gospel. I've never actually heard it read that, but I read it online one time, so <laughs> take, that for, take, take that for what you want it to be. But I, I noticed that a lot of the circles I've been in in the past really, really like Isaiah because I think that the pictures that Isaiah paints are really profound for Christianity today. They paint pictures of a people in exile and in oppression, and then they also paint these really amazing pictures of hope and, and potential foreshadowing. And so with that, um, check this out, Isaiah 61 uh, verses 1 through 3, and then Isaiah 62 verses 10 and 11. And notice the imagery that is used here. This is Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord God has planted for his own glory. All right, Isaiah 62, verses 10 and 11. Go out through the gates, prepare the highway for my people to return. Smooth out the road, pull out the boulders, raise a flag for all the nations to see. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. And so there's some context and some understanding in Isaiah 61 62, because the book of Isaiah is broken up to a couple different chunks. And so in the, in the early on chapters of Isaiah, I think like the first 40, oh gosh, I don't know the exact number. You need to look it up. In the first 40 some chapters of Isaiah, we see a group, group of people in oppression and, and captivity under the Babylonians. And so the nature of the first um, bunch of books of the book of Isaiah, a bunch of chapters of the book of Isaiah is this tone of um, mourning and defeat and um, kind of being under, the, under oppression and slavery. And then we see the book transition because I think it was in the year 515 BCE, the Persians rise up, they crush the Babylonians, they release the captives, they go back to Jerusalem. And then we see the context of uh, chapter 61, 62 and some other books in there. But we see these people who have returned to their homeland after being rescued, are freed from, from Babylonian captivity, which is really interesting. They're afraid people that go back home, but there's people in their home that stayed behind. And they have new customs and ways of doing things and ideas. And so these people that call themselves God people want to go back and restore Jerusalem to what it was, back to their customs and their ideas. They want to do things like rebuild the temple. There's there's a lot of interesting things going on. And so what we see in Isaiah 61, 62, these verses, we see this really hopeful image of a day post-captivity, post um 
exile in their home where everything is made right. And I can see where, in even in a modern scope, as we look at the book of Isaiah, where this is really hopeful, that, that someday everything will be made right. That, that what, and, and not, what if there's a day when everything's better? Like Isaiah 61, it talks about the poor being told the good news, the blind being made to see, the, um, the captives being set free. It's really, really hopeful imagery. It's really beautiful. And, and it's something that not many would argue with. It's a beautiful picture. And then in Isaiah 62, we see this imagery of like, go out, prepare the road for the, for, for the savior to arrive. And so historically roads weren't like paved like we know them now. They were just kind of like these paths with cart trails. And so that's why you pull the boulders out. And that's why you get them ready. And you prepare this road for the savior to enter. And with him or her is this flag, this with, with the savior is this flag of the, who they are and what they're about. And, and and with with um with that that savior with that conqueror comes the bounty that they that they took from another nation and in this context of Isaiah, Isaiah in the context of Isaiah sixty two it's that we are the beautiful bounty that comes with like we are to be brought with to this great city of Zion and so the imagery for them is all incredibly hopeful so if you can potentially transport yourself in your mind back in time to to a place where this would have been. Um, maybe the scripture was a firsthand experience, you would see that it's incredibly hopeful. And, and I think what, what sometimes is tough for me is this version of hopeful um, becomes this thing that's really passive. That, that in, in a lot of conversations and circles, as we talk about hope, hope becomes this passive thing that we wait for. And, and if, if we read 60, Isaiah 61, 62 through that lens, it's like, yeah, there's this really great day coming when everything's going to be made right and it's all going to be made better. But we just have to sit back and wait for it because it's not our job to do. And I think this was my, this is where the emotion and tension gets fired up in me because two years ago, as I'm teaching a bunch of people a sermon and the feedback I get is that hope is this passive thing that we just wait for. I realized I don't think I was being honest with people because I, I, I really struggle with this idea that hope is just a, a thing that comes to us because we're fortunate enough. Because we believe in the right God or because we're in the right circumstance or be, because we just get to do nothing. All of that just feels really lazy to me. That, that hope becomes this incredibly lazy thing that we just get to wait for. And I think it, at times, excuses us of things we could be doing or, or working towards. And this was my feeling two years ago that it was like, oh gosh, did I just lie to a group of people about hope and my feelings of hope? And as I reapproach it in this Advent series for CMYK, and for, for this talks podcast, I'm like, well, we need, I need to at least speak as honestly as I can about what I think hope might actually be. So we're in Advent, this, this waiting, this, 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 this awaiting of someone profound to, to get here to show up. And so it's in this Advent season, we talk about this unique waiting game, and then you tie it to this idea of hope. And, and it's like, it makes sense that we have this mentality that hope can be this passive thing. Because if we're just waiting for Jesus to show up and make everything better, if that's the mentality that, if that's what we believe out of things like Isaiah 61 and 62, and if that's what we believe out of the Advent season, then I'm not, it's no wonder that hope is this very passive thing. 
But what's interesting to me about hope is as I examine uh, stuff that happens in the Bible after Isaiah 61 and 62, I start to notice that my that hope has to have a different context and it has to have be a different conversation in a lot of ways. And um, I'm, I'm only pointing to one piece of scripture today. And so I, I hope you don't feel like I'm just cherry picking for the sake of an argument. I would encourage you to go read it and maybe look into it yourselves or or just reflect and, and, and reflect on this idea of what happens after Isaiah 61, 62. But we get to this chunk in the book of Luke where um, Jesus is is on the scene, right? So the Adventists were were waiting for this guy named Jesus. Like Isaiah sixty one sixty two, are pointing to this guy named Jesus. He's the Savior. That's that's the that's the narrative arc of the Bible. And so they're waiting for this guy named Jesus, and then he's on the scene. He's he's born. And this unique thing happens in Luke chapter four, where he goes to the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil. He's filled with the spirit. A lot of weird, mystical, spiritual stuff happens. But then this interaction happens that's so unique for me. We're in Luke 4. We pick up in verse 16. Here's how the story goes in the book of Luke. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, they're talking about Jesus here, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. And at the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And then he began to speak to them, and he says, The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So, The piece of scripture that Jesus is quoting there is Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. Now, he made some variations, but then he does this interesting thing. He hands the scroll back and sits down, and everyone stares at him. He says, the scripture's been fulfilled. And and people get upset, and they force him out of town, and there's an unpleasant interaction between Jesus and his hometown. But what's so fascinating to me is that it says that Jesus gives the scroll back, and he sits down and says, this has been fulfilled. Now, if the Gospels stopped there, it would fit the narrative that we think hope is. That hope is this waiting game, that that we just waited for one guy to show up and make it all better, and it's all better. That he goes and quotes some scripture and says he's the embodiment of it, and it's all better. But what's so interesting is this happens in Luke chapter 4, and then there's 20-some odd chapters after this chapter that talk about this guy named Jesus having interactions with people, having meals with people, doing miracles, uh, uh, helping the blind see, (laughs) setting the captives free, sharing the good news with the poor. And what's so interesting is that not only does he pick up the scroll and say, yeah, hey, all this stuff from Isaiah 61 has been fulfilled, but he goes and actually does it, which in my mind changes the model of what we think hope is. That if, if hope is only waiting for Jesus to show up and take care of it all, then I think that's kind of lazy because what he does is he gets to work after he says these things. He actually actively goes and shows people what hope is. And if we follow this out logically, then there's this invitation to be a part of this thing called Christianity where Jesus invites us to follow him. 
And my question then becomes, what if, what if hope is not this passive thing that we wait for because Jesus is just going to take care of all of it for us? But what if hope is this very active thing we're invited into and there's a model of it right there in Luke for us? That what if, what if hope isn't something we just simply wait for and wait for the great day when everything's better, but what if hope is something that we are a part of bringing to this earth? That, that this idea of hope is something that we're invited to be a part of, that to, to help the blind see, to, to take good news to the poor, to release the captives and, 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 and release the oppressed from their burdens is not just figurative speech that we wait for, but what if it's something that's very literal that we engage in? And that, and I think that's what bothers me is two years ago, I think that's where I was trying to take people on this thought process was that hope is this thing we engage actively, not this thing that we wait for passively. And that, and I think in the midst of this Advent, that's all I want to leave you with today is that I, I want to ask you like, what would it look like in your life if you're actively bringing hope to the lives of people around you? That, that hope is not, something that Jesus does on his own, but hope is something that we partner with, with the divine. That there's this really unique story, maybe not even unique, there's just this story about this God who shows up on the scene and shows people what it's like to bring hope to the world around them. And then there's an invitation to be a part of it. What would it look like if you were to actively bring hope to the lives of people around you? Family, friends, coworkers, acquaintances, all of these people that exist around you, what does it look like to bring hope to their lives? And, and then how does hope change for you in the Advent season that it's not just waiting for someone else to do all the work, but you get to have a hand in it? And I, I, think, I think for me, that's a narrative that is... <laughs> more hopeful <laughs> to use that that verbiage that for me it's just a better narrative that I don't have to sit back and be lazy which sounds really convenient sometimes but there's this invitation to be active and so with that in mind with Isaiah 61 and 62 and Luke 4 what does hope look like in your life if it was active and not passive that you engaged it to bring hope to the people around you because you're invited to do so I encourage you to take some time maybe and think about that. Um, and uh, with that, I just want you guys to have a really Merry Christmas. Um, and we're going to give you some time even probably in this podcast think just to reflect on that and think and, and maybe take some time outside of it for you to reflect and think on what that looks like. So with that, I leave you. Um, please join us for Sing Along Insider uh, the 24th of December, 4.30 p.m. at um, the pub station. So with that, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, my friends.